0: No, I'm not above the law. I never want anybody to be above the law. But the pardons are a very positive thing for a president. I think you see the way I'm using them. And, yes, I do have an absolute right to pardon myself, but I'll never have to do it because I didn't do anything wrong. And everybody knows it. Unfortunately, the president has perverted the pardon process. Yeah. The pardon power is complete. DeSouza says that the president pardoned him Because the president wants D'Souza to be able to spread his principles. There was a a political hit on me by the Obama administration. And the reality is the pardons he's given so far are highly justifiable.
1: Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. So Trump just said he's asking NFL players who took a knee to suggest people for him to pardon user generated content for the pardons. And like Putin, he's clearly walking both sides of the culture war street and he's as horrible as ever. But I really hope they unify those players and offer full pardons to Hillary Rodham Clinton for uh, that's right. She never committed a single crime. I thought we'd quickly review all the pardons our pardoning president has issued. The first one was to Death Camp Joe. He's a sheriff convicted of contempt of court. We did a show on him earlier. If you want to learn everything about Death Camp Joe, including how he got his name, go back to that show because ugh, it's harrowing. Next up was Christian Saussier. He was pardoned on March 9th, 2018. This was largely seen as a reproof to Hillary Clinton, of all people, because Saucier had said, he should not be convicted of taking illegal photos of classified equipment because, but her emails, Hillary Clinton, gefilte fish, whatever. Lewis Scooter Libby, oh Scooter Libby, he was pardoned for obstructing justice and committing perjury, the same kind of crimes that the Trump syndicate has already pled to in the form of Mike Flynn and George Papadopoulos. This was largely seen as a message to them and others around Trump that he would pardon them for crimes like perjury. One of the most stunty pardons so far was for Jack Johnson. In the pardon of Jack Johnson, I see the beginning of Trump's pardon palooza for people of color. He's certainly pardoning some people who deserve to be pardoned, but he's also trying to campaign with these stunts. Then came Dinesh D'Souza. Now, I grew up calling Dinesh D'Souza distort Denuza. That was the style of humor of the 80s, and he was convicted for various campaign finance violations. And his last move was to commute the sentence of Alice Marie Johnson. She's a first-time drug offender sentenced to life without parole for conspiracy to possess cocaine. The commutation of the sentence happened on June 6th and is widely considered just. The final footnote to all this is that Trump has unaccountably proposed that he pardon Muhammad Ali, the dead boxer— for giraffe dodging, conscientious objection. The weird thing about this one is that conviction was already overturned. My guest today to talk all things pardons is Dahlia Lithwick. She's the legal correspondent for Slate and the host of Slate's Amicus. She came out of book leave to do this show and I'm so glad she did. We'll be back with Dahlia in just a minute, but first the tweets. I'm
0: heading for Canada and the G7 for talks that will mostly center on the long-time unfair trade practices against the United States. From there, I go to Singapore and talks with North Korea on denuclearization. Won't be talking about the Russian witch hunt hoax for a while. Canada charges the U.S. a 200% tariff on dairy products. They didn't tell you that, did they? Not fair to our farmers. The Obama administration is now accused of trying to give Iran secret access to the financial system of the United States. This is totally illegal. Perhaps we could get the 13 angry Democrats to divert some of their energy to this matter, as Comey would call it, investigate. When will people start saying thank you Mr. President, for firing James Comey. Good luck, Dallas Johnson. Have a wonderful life.
1: Hey, Dahlia, welcome to TrumpCast. I'm so glad you're in the studio with me. I'm so happy to be here, Virginia. It's um, always extra special. Well, pardon me, but um, we seem to have a very, our president has many, many, no, he's nothing but shortcomings, but he does seem to like forgiving people. He's very forgiving and merciful. And he does like to pardon people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Pardons. They're so weird.
2: They are weird. They are uh, in the constitution though. So whatever your feelings about the pardon, it's there. It's Real. Yep. Uh, Obama pardoned a lot of people too. Presidents pardon. That's what they do.
1: So, what is a pardon that you think was a sort of a good use, a good and just use of presidential power to pardon, not just someone we like more and that got a pardon, but you know, who's someone that? I don't know. It felt like the right exercise of this power.
2: Well, I actually think that the pardon, the Kardashian pardon, this this Alice Marie Johnson pardon that we're talking about now. Now, she's not been pardoned. She's been commuted. But I think that one of the things that we have to hold in our heads simultaneously is that in a country that way over incarcerates people of color, Mm -hmm. particularly for drug crimes, Mm -hmm. if a lot of them are going to get out pursuant to commutation or pardon power, Mm -hmm. that's in the aggregate, a good thing. The problem isn't uh, that there are uh, not a lot of people in jail who should be out of jail. It's that that runs headlong into these policies to incarcerate more people for longer time. This is the Sessions Justice Department. This is Donald Trump who's saying, actually, we should execute people for nonviolent drug crimes. Right. So it's this kind of piecemeal performative pardon, but it's not Actually, in any way coherent or consistent with the larger drug and incarceration policies that are pushing. And I should also add, pushing after years and years of the one place where conservatives and liberals had agreed on mm-hmm. was that this is what we need to do. We need to reform the insanity of our over incarceration. Right. And instead of Continuing those policies, the one place where we agreed, now we're saying, no, those policies are wrong. We're going to talk about executing drug offenders and incarcerating everybody who blinks, right. but then pardoning piecemeal a handful of people for performative reasons. Okay. It's bananas. If,
1: if Kim Kardashian asks, then, you know, special clemency should be granted. And as it was, it, it seems to have been right in Alice Johnson's case. Um, she is African-American. She's definitely older. It's a drug offense. It does seem to meet our requirements. But, you know, as you say, the president, a lot of his other pardons have been people who aren't even getting out of jail. I think a death camp Joe Arpaio in Arizona was pardoned even before sentencing. Right. He was awaiting sentencing. So he wasn't freed from jail. Scooter Libby had essentially been had been living entirely as a free man. It made virtually no difference in his life or anyone's life. And yet the president chooses these people, it seems like, selects them for optics. What does it buy him to grant Kim Kardashian's clemency plea for Alice Johnson?
2: Well, I mean, I think that it—first of all, you know, it's hard to not think of him as a toddler with a flashing new toy. And Mm. he's just like, bonk, bonk, bonk. Oh, I can do it again. Bonk, bonk. I'm I'm hitting the blue dot. I'm hitting the, you know, and then a teddy bear pops up or whatever. I mean, I think that he's using this uh, because somebody told him at some point that he has this cool new power to, like, get out of jail free. Yeah. So I I think that in her case, what it's signaling is— I'm friends with a Kardashian. Yeah. I don't know much more than that. As I said, this is not oh, yeah, signaling yeah, yeah, yeah. anything other than you know. If you think one of the things Mark uh, Stern and I wrote last week about the the raft of pardons that that you know were either happened or were talked about, and you know it's such a crack up, right? It's it's reality TV people. He's talking about Martha Stewart, who had a you know part of the Apprentice franchise. You know, he's talking about literally. Pardoning people who live in the world of strange Fox News reality shows. Right. Those are the people. He, so he's par- pardoning people that Kardashian... Like, it's it's literally when the characters from Gilligan's Island come on to Happy Days. That's what this feels like. It feels like it's this closed world, and he's operating in that world. So th- there's a little bit of of that. But I also think this is... First of all, the most important level this is signaling, right? This is saying, I can pardon anyone, Manaforts and Flynn's, you know, and, Flynn's yeah. and, and anyone else. And I thought, you know, one of the most, one of the most important things I saw today was that George Papadopoulos's wife, who at one point was going around saying, oh, my God, he's going to be, uh, you know, yes. the John Dean, the guy who cracked open Watergate. Simona
1: Mangiante. Now yes.
2: she's saying... No, he never did anything wrong. He, I'm going to ask the president for a pardon. Right.
1: The, the whole like strange contradictory logic of like he didn't do anything wrong and he's going to be pardoned. No, I mean, um,
2: why, why would anybody viewing what Trump is doing now? It, it would be irrational to cooperate. It yeah. would be irrational to plead. Uh, it's It's just the president is signaling at the most fundamental level. Yeah. Everybody's going to be off the hook. Trust me. Right. But the other thing I think that's really interesting about these pardons is that he's pardoning people for all these crimes that are like, you know, money laundering, racketeering, false statements. Right. These are weirdly Trumpy crimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In that sense, today's commutation is different because I don't think he's yet uh, been (laughs) accused of drugs drug I
1: mean, offenses. Although like in that case he may just be thanking Kim and Kanye West for support, quote, helping him with black people. Didn't he say his, his numbers are lyingly say that his numbers are off the charts with with voters of color. Yeah, the the and also I think he's it's like cheating out to for some liberal approval with the Jack Johnson, pardon, that was the heavyweight champ and of, you know, famous African American boxer thought to be railroaded for, you know, on along racially unjust terms. So he can cite that one. He can cite Scooter Libby as a as a sort of nod to the uh, George W. Bush administration um, and sort of placate people. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the Lord works in mysterious ways or something. He just, this is part of his wanting to be a god. Well, and pardons the, work better than executive orders.
2: The, the, I think that's the most important thing. It's not just that he only pardons famous people. He only mm. pardons pardons famous people who committed crimes that are looking eerily reminiscent right. of the things that his uh, campaign is is being investigated for. It's not just that he only pardons you know, people who were put in jail by yeah. his enemies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Fitzgerald, James Comey. Right. Weird, right? Preet Bharara. Everybody <laughs> yes. who has ever been convicted by one of the bad people, he's pardoning. Uh, and yeah. don't forget the signaling around, this is happening in the same Moment that he's trashing the Justice Department and saying witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. What better way to destabilize public confidence in the Justice Department than to say, my God, all these people? Right. Trumped up charges, all these people convicted of witch hunts. And I think the idea, in addition to, I think mm-hmm. you're exactly right. At the end of the day, this is just solipsism. This is l'état c'est moi. I just get to decide who's guilty and innocent and why go through the regular procedures, by the way, of pardons that come up through the Justice Department in an orderly fashion when I can just hand them out Mm -hmm. like jelly beans. Mm -hmm. But I think that even more than that, what's really, really happening is this drumbeat of Everybody who's been convicted has been falsely convicted because the Justice Department can't get it right. Right, 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 So it is part of this larger program to erode public confidence in investigations and adjudications and convictions. It's a way of saying... Get used to this. I'm going to make the world fair for everybody because these institutions suck.
1: He may be sending a signal to Manafort and Flynn, although in some ways he seems to have cut them loose. It's possible that he is sending a signal to people who might flip on him like Michael Cohen, meaning don't flip on me because I will, I'll pardon you. And I wouldn't even be surprised. Michael Cohen, I'm told by people who speak to him, still has not decided to flip with every incentive in the world. To flip I mean he's he could be looking at a lot a lot, a lot of prison time, his family wants him to flip. anyone would want him to flip. Why is he loyal to this person who seems to be disloyal to him at least publicly if someone's not telling him he could be pardoned? I mean obviously, this is pure speculation, but that's another signal that pardons like this might send, which is you know the the mob boss saying. I still got you. I like, got you'll you. get a brand new car. Yeah. Just hang in there for I, me.
2: I think that was even the Arpaio pardon at the very beginning. Oh. Because the Arpaio pardon, I mean, this is a person who had been, you know, this had been litigated. He had been absolutely, it was a beat down. There was no question. Dinesh D'Souza confessed, right? Like, right. he said, I did it. Right. So I think the more you pardon people who are just so... Demonstrably guilty. Yeah. In some cases, either the court has said, oh, my God, you are so crazy guilty. Right. And to pardon those people. Yeah. And then to have marginal people like Michael Cohen, who I suspect in Trumpian fashion doesn't think he did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pardon the super right. guilty, it right. sure leaves a lot of space, I think, to say, also, I shall be pardoning the somewhat guilty. And if I were Michael Cohen, I would take that signaling very seriously. This guy's going to take care of you.
1: So one thing that does strike me when you say that pardons have been with us since, um, you know, the birth of the republic is that is it possible that the founding fathers wanted to mark regime change? That in other words, they were saying that some people who had either, uh, you know, worked for the British or had been imprisoned by the British under the old system were now You know, could be free at the discretion of the president because we now have there's a new sheriff in town. That seems a scary other other message that I'm getting from Trump, which is the guilty are in his topsy turvy upside down r- regime, the innocent, the formerly guilty are innocent and the innocent are guilty. Like that, you know, Colin Kaepernick, he's he accused someone that didn't what stand for him or whatever. He started said that might be treason. Like, you know, this idea that you that you are like just walking through the world and all of a sudden the things you've committed are are crimes in Trump's book, exercise of free speech, Jeff Bezos, all the people he's made criminals. And then Death Camp Joe Arpaio, who literally ran what I think there's consensus about death camps and then was rounding up people on racial grounds, which everyone seemed to agree on he was doing. And now these people are the pictures of innocence.
2: I, I think it's even one level more pernicious than that. It is certainly the case <laughs> yeah. that I think he is now accruing unto himself the ability to say, You know, you're a criminal, you're not a criminal, but he's also accruing unto himself the ability, this is what you're saying, to define what a crime is. Ah, yeah. And that's the thing that is really scary. I mean, this goes back to lock her up, right? This goes back to the thousands of times that he has said what Jim Comey did to him was a crime. Yeah. What the Obama campaign did to him was a crime. So I think that it's 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 a two-step, and both steps are really frightening. One step is saying I don't need a process. I don't need the Justice Department. I don't need an investigation. I will just decide myself. But then also doing this thing where he gets to decide on the spot uh, what he calls crimes. And again, I think the solipsism of that, of signaling to the country, none of your institutions that have existed for two and a half centuries to determine spread out across – Federal judges across, you know, centuries, none of those institutions can be trusted mm-hmm. to define a crime, to know the elements of a crime, to get it right. Everything is corrupt. The only thing you can believe in in America when it comes to law and order is me. Yeah. And I know I sound hysterical, like I'm overreading now, but it's really hard when someone is saying, "Trust me because the only person who's going to make you free or unfree." Is me, and the predicate for that is my determination that you've committed a criminal act now defined as kneeling during the
1: anthem. That's crazy narcissism. It's very scary. I am very actually glad for you to put it in extreme terms because we were talking earlier about David Korn's piece, and in, in general, the general problem, the press of incrementalism of, you know, we could have had this conversation where a very dry conversation about Does Trump have the have the power to pardon himself? Right. And you hear one side and the other side. This is not a one side and the other side conversation. These are incredibly destructive acts being taken by our president relentlessly every day assaults on our institutions and You know, it can't become a cliche to say that, you know, we had, I had a a Times reporter on, he gave a very polished interview. And when we got off the mic, he said, you know, every single headline should read Jesus fucking Christ. This is a disaster. That's our headline.
2: Yeah. And and I think it gets into the, no, no, Virginia,
1: we have to, there are two sides, there are good people on, but right, this is the Ju- Charlottesville. <laughs> Giuliani makes a very good yeah, astute yeah. point about Mueller wrapping up the investigation. It's just, no, Giuliani and Kellyanne and Conway are never making astute points. They're making weird noise.
2: Right. This is propaganda. And it's really hard because the minute you call it propaganda I mean, I, listen, I've been tagged uh, for saying that, you know, it's it's a good thing for judges to be judges of the resistance. And. I'm not saying judges should be judges of the resistance. I'm saying judges should be judges of the law. And I think there's a difference. (laughs) And judges who uh, strike down, which is happening every day. You know, today we had a Sanctuary Cities decision out of Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Day after day, you know, the travel ban gets beaten up in courts. Uh, the uh, trans ban in the military gets beaten down. I mean, he can't win. That's not because judges are, you know, the Jedi mind warriors of taking down Trump. Mm -hmm. It's because they actually believe in this institution. They're of this institution. This is their bread and butter. And I think that when you're a Giuliani and you're just like, I'm all crazy. There's no (laughs) law. I'm just going to say stuff. And then to try to counter that, you can certainly do it in measured fact-based headlines and I certainly am not making a plea for answering crazy with crazy Yeah, Uh, but I think that the problem is on the one side you know the asymmetry of one side that is bound by facts and norms and truth and tradition and if I set stuff on fire then we have no justice department so I'm being measured and the other side that is nihilist to the point that like oh yeah yesterday we were totally lying so and that asymmetry you know, the idea that today was it today that he was tweeting that he he's mad at, at Jeff Sessions and wants to fire Jeff Jeff Sessions basically because Jeff Sessions wouldn't obstruct for him. Like, right. He's conceding that this was obstruction. And then he's saying, Man, someone needs to obstruct harder.
1: I learned a great lesson from Roseanne Barr, which is just read them all and understand them all as a epiphenomena of Ambien. There's Ambien over there. <laughs> and they talk. They do Ambienomics. They do Ambien Law. Have you ever talked to someone on Ambien? Yes, yes. Right?
2: And then afterwards, they don't remember it. And you've just, like, told them all about your whatever's going on. And they're like,
1: what, what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. I know. Um, and so— and I will say, Mush,
2: I guess, and had a good piece, I think, a week ago— Where she was talking, I think in response to something that I had written where I was like, I'm on fire, I can't, my brain is falling out. And she wrote a really good piece about, and I actually think David Frum also had a good piece about why staying the course, using precision in language Mm -hmm. is so important. And she and both she and David Frum make the point that when things go off the rails in Russia, what the resistance has to do is double down on precision. Yes. Double down on truth. Be really narrow about meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that and and the other thing that she said in response to this was don't enter the lie. Now, I'm not mm. exactly sure how you. Refuse to enter the lie when you're covering the lie. I Mm -hmm. think certainly we can agree that newspapers are starting to actually use the word falsely and Mm -hmm. lying and Mm -hmm. untruthful. Um, But I think that the trick in this is to not enter into the witch hunt resistance, all the linguistic tricks of mm-hmm. doing the thing, the Ambient tricks.
1: Yes, yeah, good I point. I think
2: that the minute you enter into that you lose. You can't win in Ambient Land.
1: And this is a little bit why you've reserved judgment at least about or or not quite joined the Michael Avenatti fan club. Because <laughs> he has definitely decided to get in the world wrestling ring with the Giuliani's and use some of their language and silliness and stuff on Twitter you know I tend to think like let them distract themselves in the reality show and the ep- this good episode of Law and Order will still play its play itself out because the cooler ads will prevail like yours
2: well here's the uh, <laughs> I want to be even sadder no okay. no nope. I'm, I'm going to go to the darker place which is I think and this is my answer unfortunately when people say but Mueller will fix it mm-hmm. or you know but impeachment will fix it. The 25th Amendment will fix it. Those are all legal and constitutional answers. They don't provide the lever to do this. Mm. These are ultimately political solutions. And so, in this one sense, I think Trump is 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 Quite honest, when he says I could have shot, or was it Giuliani who said? Like, I think it was Giuliani who said he could have shot Jim Comey. Yeah, and it wouldn't, so of course he can fire him. Yeah, and I think that it is true that no amount of law breaking that Mueller could turn up is a self enforcing legal solution, mm. right? He can refer it to Congress. Congress can decide to impeach. Ha ha ha! You know, we, right? We ultimately, and I, I had Larry Tribe. Harvard scholar uh, Larry Tribe on Amicus last week, saying essentially this: impeachment isn't a self-enforcing solution. Yeah, impeachment is a, a tactic. Yeah, politics is the solution, and that's what's hard. Is that where I think Michael Michael Avenatti is doing a much better job than you and I? Mm-hmm. Is that he's in the world of politics? He's, he's treating this as a political fight with kind of edgy legal valence. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important because I think that no matter, I don't know what winning legally even looks like. I think we could come out with ten legal wins and not have won anything unless this is won politically. And the reason I sound so aggrieved, Virginia, is that this was Merrick Garland, right? I I, mm. I mm-hmm. entered the crazy a year before everyone else did because I spent a year almost saying, but
1: but but right, that we're that that. Mitch McConnell was obstructing. Yeah, that there
2: there had to, how could there not be a legal way out? We Uh, believe so deeply in this country that the law is magic and it's going to solve things. And I think that more and more I'm coming to believe that the law is going to frame it for us so that we can understand it. Mm -hmm. And then politics is going to have to make a determination about solutions, not the law, because... It it almost doesn't matter legally what happens, and that's that's why I think the David Korn story is interesting because we have to help people understand what law breaking looks like and doing it in this drip drip. There was this one Russian guy, and he was in the Seychelles. Yes, like it's 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 incomprehensible. We have to do a much better job right. of using the legal discourse to achieve a political solution. I think. Thank you so much, Dahlia. You You, you look so sad.
1: Well, you did bring us down with that ballad at the end about how doomed we are. (laughs) I don't think we're doomed. I actually think, I really do think
2: that what RBG wants, what Robert Mueller wants, is you to stop worshiping RBG and Robert Mueller and to pick up the phone. I really believe that. And it's not because the law has no fixed meaning. The law is doing its job. The judges are overwhelmingly doing their jobs. The law has held up beautifully, but I think the law isn't the end of it. The end of it has to be us. I think that's not necessarily terrible in a democracy.
1: Thanks so much, Dahlia. Sorry, buddy. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Before I go, sign up for Slate Plus. It really, first of all, supports our journalism here. But you also get a ton of extras. So you can do it to be a good person, or you can do it for all the digital swag that comes with it, including all the podcasts, tons of extras, lots of freebies. Go to slate.com slash trumpcast plus. That's slate.com slash trumpcast plus. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.